morning and welcome to episode 56 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name's Gus Logue, joined by my co-host John Shipley. Happy Friday, John. How's your week been? Hey, it's been good, man. Episode 56. Who uh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> it's, it's been a good week, man. You know, Jags are in London now. I, uh, you know, I didn't travel, so, you know, we're over here for the next, like, 10 days before they get back. So it'll be interesting 10 days on this end, but yeah. we're living. Where are you all living, my friend? I feel like it's kind of a, a little bit of a mini buy for us because like there was a lot of pressers at the stadium this week, but then next week, obviously they'll be abroad. So it's going to be a lot of virtual work and not a lot of commuting for us. So it'll be a little bit nice. Would you eat beans and toast? Not together. No. Or at least not beans for breakfast. No, just just no in general. It, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of I like I don't even like like biscuits and tea really. You don't no, like biscuits. You've had biscuits and tea enough to know you don't like biscuits and tea. I guess I've never had like the English version, but I'm not a fan of tea in general. I've, I, I according to my you know, extensive, voice, I don't know according to my extensive research, they do put the beans directly on the toast. I, I yeah, no, I'm I'm good at covering the game. Over here. We're gonna we're gonna need like Deem or D Rock to do a little London reporting for us. That's a good idea. That's a good if idea. He's gonna write about T Swift, and they can write about beans on toast, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so move moving <laughs> forward. So you know, one and two start. They've said basically all week. You know, even dating back to Sunday, that you know maybe going to an entirely different continent, <laughs> far away from here, will actually you know be a good thing. with change the scenery. Sparks of energy, but they, it, in my opinion, even though like we'll get into all of it, like even though they're playing maybe the worst quarterback they're going to face all year, this is still a tough game, you know, drawing the Atlanta Falcons. And it, we'll, we'll get into it, but I, I could see this one going a lot of different ways. Yeah. The way I think of the Falcons is like, we know that Balky likes for his team to be able to be big off of the bus, as he says, but like that's what the Falcons are. They're, big off the bus like press taylor when he was asked about the falcons were like he just kept saying the word physical over and over again and it applies on both sides of the ball so i, I feel like that's kind of been like what trent has been like building towards or shooting for has been the big and physical team uh so this will be like a pretty good test for that image that he has oh yeah no 100 percent. and i like you literally like just look at like the falcons like last three drafts and like Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan are all like complete unicorns at their position, and they have them all on the same offense. You know, whether it's going well so far is you know completely a different story. But it's it's definitely like even like just looking at their defense. You know, like you you mentioned Press, the guys they've invested in on defense this year. You know, obviously Calais, Bud Dupree, Jesse Bates. You know, they've added a lot of you know different pieces. To that unit, uh, David Onyemata. I he's I probably, good. Yeah, I probably butchered that. Yeah, he he's been he's been fantastic. So it's it's definitely you know a one that I think is going to be. I I still think you know when the schedule came out, this probably looked like one of their easier games. And I'd say, despite you no know, record or whatever, the Falcons honestly have been better this year than I thought they'd be. Hmm. Their defense has been better. I I, I yeah. thought the offense was good. I, I, I'm, I'm not a Desmond Ritter guy. I was a proud watcher of AAC football for uh, <laughs> for years. He's 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 a quarterback. He's he's perfectly there. Like you know, yeah. They, I, yeah. 
their defense has been better like from the jump than I expected, especially because they have like new pieces and they've got a new defensive coordinator that they brought over uh, from New Orleans. But their offense has been like a little bit underwhelming to me based on expectations, just because I didn't think Ritter was all that, but I at least thought he was better than Marcus Mariota. And that's like, he hasn't really proved that yet, I feel like. No, not, not even a little. So, you know what? Why don't we go ahead? You know, we're talking about the new look defense, you know, Jaguars offense versus Falcons defense. This definitely feels like a week, like a lot of people you know, are hoping it's, you know, a bounce back week for the offense after, you know, going against Houston last week and, you know, zero points in the first half. I feel like they matched up better with Houston, honestly. Like, I I, it, I think if you break down the Falcons' strengths on defense and their tendencies, I don't think this is a great matchup, you know, for the Jaguars for a number of reasons, you know. Like, starting with Grady Jarrett has been, you know, otherworldly this year, and <laughs> – Regardless if it's Ben Barge or Tyler Shatley at left guard, I mean, Grady Jarrett's, you know, a complete mismatch in the interior. And that's something the Jaguars have struggled with. You know, they struggle with DeForest Buckner. They obviously struggled with uh, not just Chris Jones, but also Mike Dana, uh, George Kalaftis, you know, when he's still inside. So there are already some signs there that, you know, those interior game records, like, they kind of struggle with. And then you mentioned, you know, David Onyemata, too. Like, they've been, in my opinion, like, one of probably the top five interior duos in the NFL this year. Like, that, that is the strength of their defense. So, that that's just, like, one aspect of it that I'm, like, uh, that that's a tough one for me, like, to be overly confident in. And you look at, you know, what that does for their overall defense, like, they're one of the best, you know, defenses in the league in terms of, you know, rushing EPA per play, et cetera. You know, they they, they really sell out to stop the run, you know, with yeah. the different fronts that they use. Uh, the You know, I mean, they're playing Calais Campbell on the edge. So, like, that, that kind of shows you, you know, what yeah. what their priorities kind of are. So, it, it's already, in my opinion, going to be tough sledding in the running game. And then interior defensive line versus interior offensive line, I think that's a big advantage Falcons. What was the last one you said? I think their interior defensive line versus the Jags offensive line is a big advantage for Atlanta. Yeah. You you tweeted it uh earlier this week about how there's like never really an easy like defensive mismatch in the NFL because like every NFL team has at least one, if not two, just really good guys on the defensive line. Uh but the Jaguars like t- tests up front certainly doesn't get easier this week with all those guys that you outlined. So like Travis Etienne talked about him a little bit on the Monday show or the Tuesday show, whichever we did this week, about how like his explosive play rate has gone down this year. And a big reason for that is just like there's less running lanes for him through the first three weeks of this year compared to last year. Yeah. Now well, this will really change. Uh like Travis Etienne's really still really good and we'll probably get his, but it's definitely gonna be a tough test for the Jaguars. Like trying to get between the tackles and you heard press Taylor talk this week about not in like this week and other weeks too, about like how they try to like set a physical presence through the run game sometimes and like try to just get the offense going that, t- that way. Uh, but that's going to be like a lot easier said than done this week against the Falcons front. Um, but even like their, their front seven is pretty aggressive in the way that they play, especially yeah. with their defensive line, but their secondary is really aggressive too. Cause they, like I said, their defensive coordinators from New Orleans and the Saints defense is like their base D is 
cover two man, which you don't really see that a lot in the NFL because it's just difficult to run cover two man at a high level. But the Falcons are doing a lot of split safety looks, so cover two and a lot of press man coverage. And so it's definitely a little bit of carryover from New Orleans. And uh, I kind of think that their secondary is almost like the Jaguars is in a sense where they have like one really, really good corner, but not like he's not recognized as like an all pro or anything like that yet. And then a really rangy free safety, even though Jesse Bates is a little bit better than Andre Sisko at that point. And then like some like nice pieces in the rest of the secondary, but not really any other dudes. It's mostly just one really good corner and a rangy safety. Uh, so AJ Terrell versus Calvin Ridley will obviously be a big matchup to watch for this week. I don't know if they ever overlapped in their time in Atlanta. I feel like maybe for one year they did. Yeah. Uh, but like AJ Terrell is an incredible cornerback. Uh, and then obviously it's like, do you got the revenge narrative game for Calvin on top of like whether he can bounce back from drops and false starts last week. So that'll be a huge matchup uh, on the outside. And then we'll see like who between Kirk and Engram, and I guess Agnew since they had so many targets last year and Zay Jones is going to be out again against the Falcons. Like which of those guys is able to step it up against a lot of man coverage, assuming like Calvin Ridley doesn't toast AJ Terrell, which no one should be predicting that. Yeah. And then you'll have in the slot, I, I think the big matchup, because like you said, you know, Falcons run a lot of man coverage. They run a lot of press coverage. They throw exotic blitzes out. So it, it, other than, you know, them doing some more, you know, too high and split safety looks than the Chiefs. And it, it's a pretty similar to what the Chiefs, you know, kind of showed. And yeah. the Jack receivers, I thought, struggled with the Chiefs press coverage, you know, it, in, in week two. So I, I'm interested to see, you know, how their outside receivers play, especially with, you know, they said, Doug said earlier this week, Zay Jones, even though he traveled to London's a long shot to play this week. So oh, I thought he was already ruled out. I didn't realize he's still, what is he, questionable technically? Probably, I I could see him being rolled out before the game starts. So he, it'd be a, a shot. Like the working assumption is that he's out. So you know, backup receiver, obviously against he's doubtful according to John Shipley. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know the big matchup I think is Christian Kirk and D. Alford in the slot. You know, D. Alford he he's been you know solid this year. He hasn't really been you know burned that many times, but. I thought he had a nice outing, you know, in week three against, you know, Amron St. Brown and Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he's not a bad slot corner by any means. So I, I think Kirk probably has to be a focal point of the passing game this week just because of the style of defense that the Falcons play. You know, like they're going to sell out to stop you on the outside, to disrupt the timing of routes at the line of scrimmage. And then, I, you know, I feel like we've said this like five podcast episodes in a row, but – Evan Ingram week, you know, it's Evan Ingram week. You know, like, week. the Falcons have allowed, uh, let me see, 18 catches, 157 yards, and two touchdowns to tight ends in three games this year. So there's precedence. Fourth most catches, for sure. Yeah. And I think probably top 10 in the other two also. And, and they're coming off a game where they allowed eight catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown to the Lions tight ends. Sam Laporta had a big day against them. So His third career game, which is like he's been good for a rookie, but usually rookie tight ends don't produce early, so it's notable. It, exactly. And 
don't know. Like, even with their usage of Ingram, they like to split them out wide a lot. Like, he probably plays out wide, like, more than most uh, – probably almost any other tight end in the NFL. But yeah, you can – like, use those, you know, mismatches. Even if you're not lining him up against that linebackers and their, you know, nickel guys as often, you want to try to get him on the outside. Like, at least use the mismatch. I, I really think that the offense this week has to funnel through Kirk and Ingram. So, I'm, I'm interested to see if it actually happens, but – if it doesn't, I I, I don't know, man. It, it, I think it could be the potential for a maybe the sloppiest offensive game of the season so far. I, I think it has that potential. I like. I think you're right in that. Like, this is a pretty tough test on paper. Like, in the beginning of the week, I wasn't really thinking that much of it. And I was like, yeah, like Falcons defense. Like, how scary can they really be? But. They, they match up like better than we definitely thought the Texans matched up against the Jaguars offense last week. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Engram, Engram, though, the only names on the Falcons defense I don't recognize are their linebackers. They had second year linebacker Will Troy Anderson. Sorry. He just went on IR. So they have Nate Landman and Kate. That's right. Elvis sounds a, a little familiar, but like, like, do you know anything about them or? <laughs> no, no. I, I knew Troy Anderson was like a workout warrior who like was terrible at playing linebacker and yeah. the fact that he was starting for them kind of no. <laughs> said it had to be said. I didn't even know like how he was doing so far in his career. I just knew the name like through the drafts because he was pick, taken in the second or third. But yeah, I think like getting Ingram matched up against those linebackers and the Jags will try to get like Kirk and Ridley matched up against them too. Like the Ridley drops a touchdown in the first quarter or the first drive of week three, he was running a slot feed against a linebacker. So, like, we'll see, like, different types of receivers, like ETN2, uh, try to get matched up against, like, the worst coverage defenders for the Falcons, but it would certainly make the most sense for it to be Engram more than anyone. I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned ETN because, like, his usage in the passing game has been a bit more than I expected so far. You know what yeah. I mean? He's been targeted – you know, 13 times through three games, you know, 11 catches, 79 yards. And a lot of that has been screens. And you didn't see that much last year. Like you saw, you know, screens here and there. But it really seems like, you know, they – like I, I had a question to mailbag this week. It was like, what can the play calling do to mitigate, you know, the offensive line? I'm like, they're, they're already doing it. You know, he's already – he already has one of the fastest time to throws and, like, a mid to like lower end average depth of target. So they're already getting the ball out of his hands quickly and they're getting ETN involved, you know, in the screen game more. So I, I, I agree with you. I think nobody act on fantasy at all, ever on anything I ever say. If you, if you ever do, I, I, I don't take any blame, credit, anything, but I think ETN, while he won't have much rushing production this week, I could see him have like a 60, like receiving yard type day. Dang, we are on the same wavelength because one of my predictions for later in the show is ETN over 18 and a half receiving yards. And I had like a lot of the same info you had. The Jags were 10th in running back screen attempts last year. And this year, just through three weeks, a small sample size. But this year, they're tied for second in running back screen attempts. Uh, ETN's catches per game has gone up from 2.1 catches per game last year to 3.7 this year. And then his receiving yards per game has gone up from 18.6 last year to 26.3 this year. And then, on like with the time to throw thing, I'm pretty sure I saw that 
Trevor has like the fastest release time in the league than anyone except for Joe Burrow. But like Joe Burrow has his like calf injury and is clearly not playing like the way he usually plays. So he's not playing football. Yeah. So like Trevor is essentially throwing, like getting rid of the ball faster than anyone, or at least any healthy quarterback in the league. And then like, I feel like we saw a little bit more success with the screen calls last year than this year, because I can like, just off the top of my head, remember a couple ETN screens that went for big plays last year, but none really come to mind this year. So whether it's screens or just <clears throat> like getting the ball out to him as like the third or fourth read, because I do think that that's part of the reason his like receiving production has increased from year to year is just that like he's getting some of Jermichael Hasty's old snaps. Yeah. But either way, like I agree with you where I think ETN might have a tough day between the tackles, even though he has been he has looked impressive in that regard, uh, but I would expect a lot more damage from him through the air this week. Yeah, I'm with you. And honestly, like Press Taylor, you know, alluded to this yesterday, but I feel like if there's one aspect of Lawrence's game that he could improve on so far this year, like we talked about it earlier this week, I think he's been, you know, good to great this year. Anyways, like if you just like signaling out his individual performance, but there's one area he can be better in. It's you know, maybe holding a tick longer, you know, in the pocket and not releasing it, you know, as quickly, you know, like you said, but that also, you know, it compounds with the offensive line issues. I, th- I think it's obvious that the offensive line and the pressure is kind of impacting how he plays and his yeah. decision-making. So I'm interested to see that this week, you know, because Lawrence is better when he, you know, can push, you know, the ball, you know, to all levels of the field and he's not just – you know, playing point guard. He obviously can be a hyper-efficient, you know, point guard. And he, he, he can be, like, any type of quarterback you need him to be. But it just – it feels like it restricts him, you know, in his traits more than anything. So, I'm interested to see this week, you know, can they hold up enough in, you know, pass protection to let him be that quarterback? Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if they – like, if they try to call more running back screens or just screens in general, even though they do rank second in the league so far. and they do like run a ton of those RPO type screens that's just out to the boundary. But like what else they try to mitigate the pass rush, I agree with you. I feel like play action could be a decent one because uh, I'm going off the top of my head. I looked at the stat a couple of days ago. I think Lawrence is 16th in the league in dropback rate with play action, but he's like second in PFF grade or no fourth and pff grade fourth and adjusted completion percentage which removes drops and he was second in like big time throws or something like that yeah so, as you said he's like good at anything but like <clears throat> play action uh they and they have tried it and like their play action hasn't been extremely successful so far this season and so it'll be interesting to see like if they try to like maybe try out a few different designs and like just try some different things but He's so good at the like rollouts. He makes it look so easy. Like last week, uh, he had one where there was like a free rusher coming off the edge af- off of a bootleg, and like I feel like a, any normal quarterback, or at least if I was playing quarterback, I would have like eaten the sack or like try to scramble out of it. But Trevor, like because of his frame, he was able to throw over him, and like he like did like a spin move to like avoid getting hit. So it was like a three sixty like no scope almost. It was like he makes like even that kind of stuff like looks super easy, but I also have Trevor stats that show that he's still like that guy because so I was like, there was some people saying like, Oh, Stroud had a better performance 
which maybe he had a better week three performance, but he's not the better quarterback today. And some, I'm not seeing like a lot of blame going on Trevor Lawrence, but I just want to make sure that we all know that he remains an elite quarterback. So last year after the Broncos game in London, so from weeks nine to 18, Lawrence was second in PFF passing grade, fourth in big time throw rate, 15th in turnover worthy play rate, and his receivers were 31st in drop rate. So like one of the worst. Through three weeks this year, Trevor is second in passing grade, third in big time throw rate, ninth in turnover worthy play rate, and his receivers are even worse at dropping the ball. Like, even the interception, the the one play that I was going to say from last week that was, like, an objectively bad decision or bad throw from Lawrence was the interception. Even watching that back, like, maybe I'm just Trevor Lawrence build, but, like, Agnew kind of, like, slowed down his break. He, like, was running a dig over the middle of the field, and he just, like, slowed down. So if he was, like, running the route at full speed, how he should have the whole time, then, like, Lawrence's window would have been like a little bit farther past the linebacker than it was. So like you can, I'm sure you can blame Trevor for the interception if you wanted to. And like, he can hold on to the ball a couple of times a game a little bit more, but like when I watch the film, I don't know what else he can do. Like I, there's not a, a lot of plays where I'm like, Oh, he should have done this instead. I like, I can't see that on film. Yeah, they're, they're 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 really you know aren't, aren't a lot, you know like it it just the simple fact of the matter is you know regardless if people want to hear it or not you know he's he's you know playing well and it, he's playing out of his mind, John. He's so good. Yeah, I and, and, and until the offense looks better though, it's going to be the. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Until the offense overall looks better, then it'll, yeah, it'll look like he's playing okay instead yeah. of that. Like, I'm telling you, he's playing really well right now. Like Ben Solak with the Ringer, you know, great, great writer, great guy. Had a really good article laying out the Jags, you know, issues. But you go to the replies of it because in his tweet, he was like, yeah, Jags will be fine because Trevor Lawrence is good. And everybody, like half the replies are like, is he good? Like he's not playing like it. I'm like – Watch the games. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There was a this I don't know who it is, but for NFL.com, someone does like a quarterback index, and their rankings were like thirty <laughs> eight. Your reaction to that? <laughs> at eight, Cousins at nine, Goff at ten, Lawrence at eleven. I was like, what is this? Like, if I wanted to know the most productive quarterbacks, then I could look up just like who's leading the league in touchdown passes or, uh passing yards this season but like come on like Brock Purdy come on like Goff and Cousins have had solid years I'll give them that even Purdy has had a solid year but come on watch the games yeah no you're you're not wrong you're not wrong guy so we're we're gonna head and go to break before you uh you know fly fly off the handle and throw out anything you can't take back (laughs) we'll come back preview the Jaguars defense and Falcons offense All right, Jaguars defense, Falcons offense. I, I like you had to like look at the matchup. You have to start off with Desmond Mitter. You know he he is he mid's probably strong. Like like okay, I've been bashing you for Damian Pierce a bit. Like while his season has been objectively horrific, a lot of it is because their offensive line's been bad. De- Desmond Ritter's just like, to me bad. Like he, yeah. I, I can't believe one that more people 
fell for it, like, you know, like analysts and stuff, like, oh, you know, like this guy can be sneaky good. Like, no, he, he obviously is, you know, just a guy more or less. But how did an NFL team go into a season with expectations and like Desmond Raiders are quarterback? Like, there are other avenues you can take, man. Like, but I said the same thing last year. How do you go into an NFL season as a serious franchise with Marcus Mariota as your starter? So, it, it, it's been kind of their MO the last two seasons. I don't know. It's weird if, like, I don't know what. Because at first I'm like, maybe they're like front offices just like thinking in the head and they're like, we're going to build the team and then we're going to get a quarterback rather than like getting our guy onto like just like a terrible roster. But that's yeah. like, that like plan is so much easier said than done because you can't really like decide when quarterbacks or when good quarterbacks are going to be available to you and when they're exactly. not. So like, I don't know. I I was willing to give them a little bit of a, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because obviously Ritter wasn't good last year in the little time that he played. But I was like, maybe like with a full NFL offseason, like maybe in like a scheme that is not as quarterback friendly as like a Shanahan scheme might be, but is still definitely one of the more quarterback friendly schemes that like kind of hides your quarterback. So I was like, maybe I didn't think he was going to be good. I was like, maybe he's not going to be bad though. Again, like maybe it's just gonna be better than Marcus Mariota, but so far that hasn't really like worked out for the Falcons. Ritter leads the league in both total turnover worthy plays and rate of turnover worthy plays, and like has a bunch of like misses downfield. Like all the fantasy managers always get mad seeing clips of like a wide open Kyle Pitts running downfield and like the ball is like five yards downfield, but like the same thing is happening this year. Nothing has changed. Literally just last weekend against the Lions that happened. I That'll probably happen against the – Kyle Pitts will get like a deep target this week, and it's just a matter of whether the Jags let it up or if Ritter overthrows him. So, yeah, he's he's pretty mad. Pitts is really about to go into his fourth season with like only a handful of games with a good quarterback throwing to him, bro. <laughs> that is insane. Like he, he, he People kill him online. Like I – People like legitimately saying maybe he's just not very good. No, he he's terrific, man. He is awesome. They had like one of the worst quarterback situations in the league since he got drafted. I think he's like easily the best player I've seen from Florida in the past ten years. He's uh, well. <laughs> I should have known. I was walking myself into that. <laughs> but uh, you're not wrong, but <laughs> he's so freaking good. Like. Yeah, to it's me, it's him. Like, anyone who looks at the stats for Lawrence and like goes based on that to rate him, it's like the same thing with Pitts. Like, don't go based on the stats. Like, he's a freak. He's he's so good. Yeah, to to me, it's him, Tease Tabor, Will Greer, C.J. Henderson. <laughs> do, you, do you guys still count Will Greer? Yeah, it's been long enough that like it's like oh, he put on a Gator uniform, so. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's not like he's like good in the league, so like no one really cares if we claim him. I feel like yeah, he put on a Gator uniform. <laughs> but like obviously, like I'll say like Cam Newton as a Gator, like as a bit sometimes, and that'll rile people up. That's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, uh, that, it's just, maybe it's just my Auburn fan friend that it riles up, but no, it, it almost riled me up, and I knew you. Completely accurate. I mean, so. Like, if the Jaguars are going to, like, win a game based on a quarterback being bad, like, that has to be this week. Like, Ritter will give them chances 
to mm-hmm. generate turnovers. Like he is both late and inaccurate over the middle, like frequently. You know, he he is legitimately bad throwing in the intermediate part of the field. So even though the missing Devin Lloyd, who like one of his biggest pluses is just in zone defenses, like he can make it sometimes hard to throw over him just because of his length. Chad yeah, Moon, yeah, Chad Moon was kind of the opposite. So I think that kind of hurts a little bit. Like I feel like Lloyd would have been valuable against, you know, a quarterback like Ritter who was already bad over the middle. But the chances for turnover worthy plays like will be there and they have to take advantage of it. So yeah. Gus, are you ready? Uh-oh. <laughs> you ready to get bulky ball? I'm as ready as I ever will be. Okay. You sure? Okay. Tell me that Trent Bulky isn't taking advantage of market inefficiencies. Some teams, like the Falcons, are taking running backs in the first round who are scoring one touchdown per every 147 touches, while Bulky is waiting two rounds later and getting a guy who scores a touchdown every 18 and a half touches. You just got Bulky ball. <laughs> it's Mark so any worth responding to. <laughs> First of all, what round was Travis Etienne taken in, and who is doesn't the count? Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Urban How many touches does Tank even have? Like, holy he, cow! He, he probably, does Cordero Patterson have the same number of touches? So, so he's being criticized for taking the more efficient player who's going on more touchdowns per touches. I don't think that's very fair of you. You've been masterclass. Yeah, you, yeah. Tank Bigsby is better than B. John Robinson. That's that's a good segment. I, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I'd say he's. <laughs> I can't say this. Face <laughs> inefficiencies, Gus. Market Mark inefficiencies. Yeah. Ignore yeah. the fact that he's a backup. Well, right. <laughs> he's a... trying to take advantage of market inefficiencies by getting three linebackers, like in just the two <laughs> previous off seasons before, and like this would be the team for those linebackers to do something with this, this like physical ground and pound Atlanta offense. Uh, so like the way I put it for the Falcons running game is I'm not scared of Tyler Algier, even though he is a good running back uh, just cause like the strength of the Jaguars defense is like their run defense there. I forget which one's two and which one's three, but they're definitely top three in both expected points added per, per play and success rate allowed on rush yeah. attempts this year as a defense. So they've been really good. And it was funny. Uh, I saw Mia asked Roy Robertson Harris on Wednesday, like, what do you need to do to, like, generate more sacks? And he said, stop the run. We'll have more fun. Like, stopping the run will set up sacks. But then after that, she was like, haven't you been pretty good against the run so far? He's like, mm, we've been okay. But we we know our standard and we got to play up to that. So I just think that's encouraging to hear that, like, they're – by any metric they, that you use, they're a top 10 run defense, and yeah. they like, don't think that's good enough. So I, I, I think that's, I don't know, inspiring to hear. Uh, but, like, their run defense is especially good between the tackles where Tyler Algier does most of the work. On the other hand, Bijan Robinson, who is <laughs> not even – shouldn't even be in the same Talented, league. yet inefficient. Go ahead. Be in the same league as Tank Bigsby. He – does he does a ton of his work outside of tackles on run plays because he has like maybe the highest rate in the league of any running back in terms of like running outside instead of inside. But he also leads, he's the only Falcons player with more than 10 receptions on the season. And I think he leads, he's tied with Pitts for targets. So he's used a decent amount in the passing game. 
So like Tyler Algier, again, not super worried about him, even though it is a good player behind a good offensive line and a good system. But like Bijan Robinson out in space, that, that could be trouble. The Jags rank – their defense ranks six worst in missed tackles this year, and they had the same ranking last year. And that doesn't even include the fullback touchdown last week. In uh, maybe like a hot take, but I already think B. John is legit the third best player in the NFL with the ball in his hands. I think it goes Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, B. John. Ooh, I like that take. Because like running backs, I feel like he's probably top three. Yeah. And like that's not even a hot take. But I, I like with the ball in his hand, that's pretty good. Yeah. Debo was the first one that came to mind for me. I'm trying to think if there's any others. It like when you take a running back that high, like Bijan is what it's supposed to look like, you know. Yeah. Like, it like, like I, I have zero interest in getting into arguments on the merits of taking him there because it just to me is not an interesting conversation. Like he's legitimately already an elite player, and the the Lions were able to limit him some because they literally like stacked the box because they dared Ritter to beat them and he literally you know couldn't. So <laughs> I, I feel like that's probably what you see the Jaguars. Do this. I mean, it's kind of what they did last week against Houston. The Jags rank first in usage of stacks boxes this really? season. As a that doesn't surprise me. So like, yeah, it doesn't. Same here. So, like, they're a hundred percent going to stack the box, try to take away Algier, try to take away Bijan, and dare Risman to beat them. That's like, that's exactly what I wrote down a couple of days ago for an article. Just dare, dare Raider beat them. Do Do you know their success rate with stacked boxes? No, I can find it though. Yeah, because that, that, like that, you saw that a lot against Houston, and like it does have a tendency. Like it can be risk reward because if you do have a like a hiccup in coverage, like at all, like a miscommunication, mm-hmm. then you know, Jesus, everybody's in the box wide open, and I think Desmond Ritter can maybe hit a wide open receiver. I don't like. <laughs> we saw Stroud take advantage of a couple like loaded boxes last week, but like. CJ Stroud looks so good. Like, not like a top five quarterback or anything like that, like immediately, but like, I would say he's like top 12 in the league like today. Yeah. Uh, but let's see, where is it? So the Jags are first in usage of Stacks Box, 34%, 64 total snaps. They rank 19th in success rate, 42%. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that doesn't build well. <laughs> Uh, I I just saw some of my phones. Zay Jones has been ruled out, according yeah. to the Rock. So, and Jamal Agnew is a game time decision, but Doug Peterson thinks that he'll go. With I don't, I don't know, man. The, the the more we keep talking about this, the more I uh, the more I'm I'm thinking this might be uh, not a great matchup for them. Honestly, yeah. Again, like Kyle Pitts is gonna get like a deep target where he's wide open because like the. Jags are setting the house on a like Ritter blitz, and then it's just a matter of whether Ritter is going to be able to complete it. Uh, we haven't Go. talked about Drake London. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say like Drake London, like same. I think Drake London, like he's going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities, especially downfield, and like I, I, I think Tyson matches up with him, but I think like just. This is maybe, you know, unfair, but literally just looking at Drake London's frame and looking at Darius Williams' frame, like, they're like the Jaguars shouldn't allow them to line up against each other. 
that's the real problem is that like the Falcons also have Matt Collins, who's like even bigger and stronger than Drake London. So like, I think Tyson Campbell will fare, fare well with whoever he's matched up against. Cause I mean, Matt Collins isn't like a great receiving talent, even if he's a good football player. Uh, and then like, just cause he like is usually a little bit better against the bigger guys, even though London is like quick for his size. Uh, it's a little bit of a better matchup for Tyson this week, but I'm like, I'm worried about Darius Williams. Cause not, not anything based on like his specific play or like effort level or anything like that. But we saw last year, sometimes like the Titans specifically, I remember were like sending Henry, Henry out to the edge, wherever Darius Williams was. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. If like part of the Falcons game plan is like, let's run at Darius Williams. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's going to be probably like the guy with the bullseye on his back. And I, I guess the way to kind of maybe help mitigate that is, you know, the pass rush coming alive. Do you, do you think there's any potential for that, you know, to happen this week? I mean, it, it's tough to say you like the matchup when you should have liked the matchup last week and nothing came out of it. But, I mean, just how, how do you see Jaguars pass rush versus the Falcons offensive line? Well, I think a lot of it will come down to situational football because, like the like Roy was saying earlier in the week, like if you stop the run earlier and like set up third and longs as opposed to third and mediums, then it's a lot easier to generate a pass rush. So, like the Jags will need to like kind of help themselves out a little bit in that regard. Um, I don't have a lot of help hope for the interior or the outside excuse me, the outside rush, just based on what we've seen from Trayvon Walker this season and Caleb Vaughn and, like, the rest of the depth. But, like, Josh Allen has been a one-man show. Uh, but I think, like, my hot take for this week is that Roy Robertson-Harris leads the league – or leads the team in pressures or sacks, whatever you want to say, because he's going to be matched up a lot against Matthew Bergeron, who's the second-round rookie out of Syracuse and has been struggling so far for the Falcons – He's definitely like he's got the target on the bullseye on his back for the Falcons offense. If Williams has it for the Jags defense, just because the rest of the Falcons offensive line is like, I don't know if they have any like elite guys, but like golf, the rest of their line is just very good. Um, but Bergeron, I feel like, is a little bit of a weak link, weak link, and he's going to be matched up against Roy a lot. And you and I have both said like Roy has been one of the better defenders and maybe one of the more underrated players on the team in general so far this season. So I think it's going to be a big Roy Robertson Harris week or just interior pass rush week. Man, it'd, it'd be a good week to uh, have a versatile defensive lineman who could slide inside and be a mismatch against guards. Too bad I don't do that. I wonder like, if like, I wonder just to give them the benefit of the doubt, like I wonder if they're not doing that because of what their edge like depth looks like. Yeah, I, I I think that's why they're not doing it, but like Chase on's on the field anyways. <laughs> so that like like just if so the reps where they have Trayvon outside and Chase on inside, that's two players who shouldn't be where they're at. If you at least like switch them and you have Trayvon inside, Chase on outside, at least one player has a chance to like I like I think this should be a perfect week for Trayvon to play inside because like you said, Bergeron struggled i personally believe any player who gets a sack against him should sing oh canada you know on the field over over his <laughs> <laughs> over his person and 
like Chris Lindstrom has allowed like four to five sacks already this year, I think, like a right guard. So oh, right. Th- this should be a week. Like, like they, like to me, like let Trayvon get those mismatches inside and let him produce. But I- I'm with you. I think their lack of edge death is why they're not doing it. Which, again, they something everybody and anybody pointed out, you know, for months and months and yeah, months and months and months and months and months and. Months and months and months. <laughs> For Trayvon going inside, it's just frustrating that they're like not trying it out at all. He has two total snaps, like with his hand in the dirt inside of the offensive tackle so far this season. And like it like we're not even asking for it to be like above 50%, just like make it like 10% of his snaps and just like try it a little bit more. Five percent would be a start. Yeah, but like two snaps so far. He he's played like the eighth most snaps of any defender as an edged rusher. Like in the NFL. Yeah. Jesus. And so like crazy. like at one point are they gonna like that's crazy be forced to give up on that experiment? They're not like that. It, it's just not. Ha- it's not gonna happen. It, it genuinely does not seem like it's gonna happen. Really, yeah. At any point, so I'd like, like, if you're going to do it like this, like last week should have been a week to do it, obviously, but like this yeah. week, this week, even more so. But I, I, I don't think it happens. Like, I guess my hot, my hot take is for this week is you see the Falcons have, you know, success on the ground. Like, I'm trying to. Formulate this without me sound like an idiot. It, it, uh, you know, I'll just go ahead and say it. Falcons, 300 total yards. 200 of those come on the ground. Ooh, only throwing 400. Yeah. I, I, I just, like, think, like, Bijan on the outside. Like, uh, up the middle, I think Jaguars advantage. But I just think he, he has the athleticism to, you know, make them struggle on the outside and hmm. can break off a couple runs. So, I – that's exactly why Trayvon's going to be lined on the edge for every single snap on first and second down, without a doubt. Is because oh, yeah. like he and Josh are setting the edge against Bijan. That's going to be massive. Yeah, hundred percent. So, Gus, you got anything else for us before we head into our break and predictions? Uh, no, I can save it for that. Okay. All right, Gus. Let's have it. Let's hear your locks. Bet the mortgages of the week. I want everybody. To put your child's college fund, your <laughs> any investment holdings that you have on anything that comes out of Gus Slope's mouth. Gus, let's hear it. What what are your locks of the week? I like hmm, I'm gonna have to decide which one is gonna be the lock of the week because I forgot I forgot you wanted to start doing that. I, I mostly just like the over receiving yards for both of the running backs, over 18 and a half for ETN, over 25 and a half for Bijan. Uh like I just think that for both of them, the like inside of the opposing defense matches up against their respective offenses, and so they're going to yeah. be able to do a little bit more damage on space. And that's just not that either of them can't do damage inside the tackles, but they're both the kind of backs that do more damage outside anyway. Uh, but I think they get like an especially good matchup this week. So I like both starting running backs to go over receiving yards. Come on. All right, the lock of the week is Calvin Ridley over 63 receiving yards. I'm <laughs> I'm doing it for one more week. I said I was going to stop, and I know he's got a tough matchup. I just can't quit talent. Trevor has looked 
unbelievably good this year and like has barely made any mistakes. Like the consistency he's shown has been like mind boggling to me. Well, we, we spent 20 minutes talking about how it's a bad match. I, I just can't quit the talent, man. You I, can't. You're I, sick. I'll, I'll set up for the rest of the season. You're a sick if, puppy. If Ridley doesn't hit this over, but I'm 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 going back to the well one more time. You are one sick puppy. Revenge, uh, revenge. Yeah, uh, I got Travis Etienne 16 and a half rush attempts under. I think this is going to be like Kansas City where he got like 12 carries. Like they're like that's the one thing I, I will give Doug Peterson the Jags. Like when they know the run game isn't there, they they like normally don't even bother. Like they'll they'll very quickly be like, okay, we're not gonna run just for the sake of running you know like i That's think so the opposite of arthur smith too he's like yeah. oh, we're, we're running no matter what <laughs> exactly uh trevor lawrence 33 and a half pass attempts over i, I think yeah. you're gonna see him throw it like 40 times honestly yeah. probably evan evan ingram 46 and a half receiving yards lock of the week see mm-hmm. so yeah, i was i was deciding i was trying to decide between like kirk or engram because i feel like one of them is going to have like a hundred yard game and the other one's going to have like a solid 50-yard game. Game. I'm with you that I like lean Engram, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I I don't feel confident enough. I guess so. I'm not confident in, enough in either one of them to make a pick. So I'm just going Ridley again. Uh, all right. My hot takes are Roy Robertson Harris leads the team in pressures this week. Oh, actually, I had Evan Engram leads the team in yards written down. So I'll, I'll just have that as a hot take instead of like a props prediction. Okay, my hot take. Otherwise, Trey Herndon, interception and a tackle for a loss. Write it down. Write it. Write it down, Gus. Write it. We if we can write down forty to ten prediction, we can Ooh. write this down. Oh, too soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an interception and TFO. Did, did you see, like, the comment on the last episode we did? <laughs> he was like, John looks giddy at the start of the episode to talk about Gus's prediction. <laughs> well, I no, as, as I was coming out of my mouth last week, I was like, this is the worst idea. <laughs> I, w- I want everybody to know that literally, like, as the final, like, whistle blew and the clock hit zero, the first thing I did was pack up my bag, scoot out of my seat, look at Gus, and remind him of that prediction. <laughs> it was yeah. – yeah, so Gus, you got a score prediction for us this week? I'm gonna go 21-20 Jaguars. So I went on 10-10 yesterday and said Jaguars win a slot fest, but we literally have talked myself out of it here. I'm going 2017 Falcons. <laughs> huh? So we That's- both we both like Falcons to cover, and you like Falcons outright. The spread is minus three last I saw in the Jags' favor. Yeah, I, I do not – I don't have the confidence for, like, the Jags to cover any spread until they do, uh, like, until I see it. I, I Like, I, I, I think the Jags are a better and more talented team than the Falcons. Right. I just think this is legitimately a bad matchup for their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I, I like agree with both of those, but then like the thing that brings me over the top to have like the Falcons lose barely rather than the Jaguars lose barely is just the quarterbacks. It's one of yeah. the best, one of the worst. Like yeah. 
eventually that's got to matter. That's fair. That's fair. Can, can I counter you? Yeah. The Jaguars lost games last year. The Carson Wentz, uh, Daniel Jones. Okay. Carson Russell Wilson. One as with Doug as head coach. Russell Jamie Wilson. Christian Kirk got tagged at the one yard line as time expired. That's not why they lost that game. That come on, it, it's, <laughs> you're being they lost to Jared Goff. Okay, well, so far the only Jared Goff, only that game happened after the Broncos London game. CJ Stroud is better than Jared Goff. That's my next hot take. Like I would take CJ Stroud to win a game tomorrow than Jared Goff. I, I like that take, and I agree with you. That said, like golf has looked pretty solid this year. What what one of my best friends is a Lions fan, and him and I go back and forth on Jared Goff, probably on the daily. So I, I just I want to make sure I get is that it one. Price out or someone else? No, no, it's one of my best friends from like a childhood sexual. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> well, they look good, dude. They just I thought the Packers were going to get the win last night. Packers got bullied. Yeah, uh, Lions look good. The Jaguars lose in London. They're one and three, and the Lions are three and one. Are the Lions like the team that the Jags, you know, were supposed to be? Yeah, the the Athletic had an article, or they had a bunch of articles like comparing two teams before yeah. the season, and it was like these two teams are at like similar, like just points in their franchise building, and like which one would you rather be? So it's Jaguars versus Lions for the Athletics preseason thing. I I, I have no. I have no interest in rehashing the Aiden Hutchinson thing. I, I I already made the mistake of tweeting about it this morning. I deeply regret it already. Like, but if the Jaguars lose in London and you know Walker doesn't do anything as a pass rusher, that noise is going to be loud. Yeah, Trent Baalke had a really good day two in 2021. They did like. Well, well said. <laughs> well said, Gus. You got masterclass. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. We will be back Monday to review Jaguar Falcons. Otherwise, I'm John Shipley. Gus, have a good one. You too, buddy.